0: Welcome to Mind Lob, the hive mind antidote for conservative Christians that want to form their own conclusions. And now your host, Ken Carroll. Welcome to mind Lob, episode number 11. Yes, we are already here and I am so grateful that you're continuing to tune in. And in this episode, I'm going to share with you what I think is one of the most misunderstood miracles of the book of Genesis. For those of you who have subscribed to our email, you will get a special graphic in your email box. And for those of you who have not done it, make sure to jump to mindlob.com, pop in your email address, and we will start sending you free material as it becomes available as well. And now, let's jump right into the book of Genesis and this miracle in which I want to discuss. In today's podcast, I want you to jump into a time machine with me. I want us to travel back to 1950, imagine what the culture would be, imagine what the textbooks would be like, imagine what society would be like, imagine the culture, and then jump with me as we go back to say 1900, 1776, uh, the Black Plague, let's go through uh, Egypt, let's go through the Ottoman Empire, let's go see the Incas. Uh, the Nazca's we get to go experience tons of groups tons of people tons of ideas tons of philosophies tons of everything and what we would experience if we look at it historically is we would experience that entire generations would have lived and died a false science something that was not accurate based upon how we see it in 2020 and if we were to jump into the future we would look back at today's date and we would see places where things that we thought were near and dear and true and honored to us are considered false by the future group maybe they're even the butt of a joke in the future as far as what we believe maybe America is no longer America as we know it perhaps it's been fractured so bad due to what the mainstream media and and others have done so bad to, to break up our culture that maybe we're not able to sustain it as one country. Who knows? Who knows what it would be like? But the point is that it could likely be a great deal different and the things that you hold to as truths are things that are no longer held true to in the future point in time. Then we take our time machine and we safely come back to today and we get out and then what I'd want to do is imagine us stepping out and looking into the life of a person. So we can kind of break out a remote and we can watch a person from the point that they are born and to the point that they pass away. Now, throughout that person's life, when they're an infant, when they're a teenager, when they're a young adult, a middle-aged adult, an older adult, how they see the world and how they interpret things and how you will too regardless of where you're at and your age that's going to change for you too and so imagine those variables so not only do you have the variables of all these places and time all these different cultures all these inaccurate views of the world all these accurate views of the world but now you also have the life of a person you have not just their age but you know marriage divorce uh, maybe losing a kid maybe adopting a child job changes so you've got all these factors that go into the life of an individual person in their pursuit in whatever they're pursuing in the world or whatever life throws at them you know even down to sicknesses and disease then once we've viewed that what i'd want to do is then look at, like take a a piece, take a day out of any point in history that you and I traveled to. I don't care which one, 1950, uh, whatever, Renaissance, King, whatever. Then what I'd want us to do is look at the most intellectual person of that time and then the most ignorant person of that time. And I don't mean ignorant in the terms of uh, belittling someone, it's just a person who is limited in their understanding versus someone that has advanced understanding and then let's do the same thing but let's just look at general cognitive abilities you know we've got some people who have very high cognitive abilities and people that have very low cognitive abilities and so this is a great swath of american history and what we tend to do is sandbox that into our current understanding We, we tend not to understand that there was a person that lived in 1782 and they have the exact same dreams and aspirations that you do just under a different set of circumstances and cultural uh, situation and they wanted to live and they wanted to make a name for themselves and they've had dreams and they live their life out just as you're living your life out and they passed away and one day I'm going to pass away and one day you're going to pass away And so those are just the realities of where we are today. Of course, we can ask the question of why is it like that? Why did God do this? And why did that happen? And I look forward to exploring those questions in future episodes. But to stay on target with uh, today, the idea is that we know that that's the reality of the realm in which we, we live. If you're listening to this, you're in this realm and you're in the same boat as me and uh as a friend once told me he says uh, he was 20 years older than me at the time and i said something to him about his age one time and he says you know what he goes we're on the same train you're just a couple cars back and uh, that stuck with me and so i don't know your age but you may be a couple cars behind me or a couple cars in front of me but we're on the same train and so now if we were to take that and we were to have that understanding Then let's zoom out and let's take the perspective of God. And God wants to convey how this realm came into existence. Now, he's not just thinking of you or me in 2020. He's not just thinking of the guy in 1950. He wouldn't be thinking of 1776 or the Black Plague or time when literature was being oppressed or... You know, he's not just thinking of the Roman Empire, the Ottomans, or the, the Asian cultures and those empires. He'd be thinking with the broad swath, if it's the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible is supposed to be omnipotent and omniscient. Now, what's interesting about the scriptures is if you go look at some of the, the conversations in the Bible you would see that God not only knows the future, but he also understands all the possibilities within the future. Because he's asked, you know, several points in the Bible, if I do this, will this happen? God says, yes, so the guy doesn't do it. And so, obviously, you know, God could look into not just what the actual future was, but also, hypothetically, if someone were to make a decision to do something else that they never did, God also considers that. And so the God of the Bible, his understanding of mankind and free will decisions and considering those free will decisions and understanding the ramifications of those free will decisions are all within the mindset of the creator of the Bible. So God's considering all of that. Now God would also consider your cognitive abilities for any given date, time, period and person. Because if he's trying to translate a message, it has to translate to the very least to the greatest. And you can do least to greatest in terms of physical, mental, financial, class, whatever the case may be, culture, uh, whatever that is. But God's message would have to transcend all of that if he's trying to translate a message to that entire group. Because he wouldn't just be trying to create it just for one group. This would also mean that the scriptures, when they're being translated, he would have considered not just that, but also the translation. God would consider every aspect of how it would go, what books would be excluded, what books would be included. There'd be nothing that would surprise God because he would even consider the possibilities. Now, if you're like me, this is overwhelming to think this, that, you know, there is this, the creator that has, you know, think of it like in terms of... uh, a super intelligence, supercomputer, whatever, that all these things have to be considered when translating Genesis. So he's not too worried about just you, Mr. Quantum Mechanics guy. He's also worried about Mr. Farmer guy in 1687. He's worried about that guy too. And so it has to it has to work. Now not only does the scripture have to work for that diverse group, but it also has to work for generations and generations of people who lived under false understandings about the world in which they live. Because the scriptures, if it couldn't stand within those two, three, four, twenty, two hundred, whatever generations it is, then it wouldn't be able to make it to the other side. Perhaps it wouldn't have made it because then it's, oh, well, obviously it can't be true because. This has happened, which has proven that, you know, it's uh, it's a fable, it's fiction. Now, so so God would have to consider all of these aspects when creating the book of Genesis so that everyone gets it. And so when you get into the story of Genesis, you get this story of creation. And it's told using a language, a limited language with a limited vocabulary, And it's written in a way to where anyone can get it. Someone who starts off on a very uh, basic understanding gets the creation story. And what's interesting about it is anyone that has chosen to dig into the original language and then look into different aspects of the scripture and dig deeper and deeper and deeper, it has remained true. And so anyone can get it, And it transcends a truth beyond cultures, beyond misunderstandings, beyond understandings, and the truth remains intact. So let me give you an example of this. I was listening to, um, I think it was probably YouTube the other day, and when I did, there was a rabbi that popped up and he's teaching some class, and he gets on there and I think that his point was that... um, It's, you know, the scriptures are more uh, allegorical in nature. And one thing he does, he gets on there and he he says, and what about this talking snake? And they dub in like laughter behind the guy. Like, you know, oh man, it's really crazy to believe in a a talking snake. Um, However, if you were to go to say Michael Heiser, for example, and you were to break down this, in quotes, talking snake, the serpent, what you would find is that it could also be a triple entendre meaning it has three different meanings one of those meanings could be a divine being and so you get into this idea that serpent doesn't necessarily mean serpent in that language and so what you have when you start to dig into it is you have an understanding of your typical bad guy that anyone could visualize on one level but then when you dig deeper into it, you can see that this could easily be a divine being as well. And that divine being is the one that tempted Eve. And so, you know, you also get into the idea of uh, good and evil. You know, it's, uh, people, people skip, you know, it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's not just the tree of good and evil. It's the knowledge of good and evil. That is that tree and so this is this is the magic of Genesis this is the miracle of Genesis in the miracle of Genesis that I want to bring up to you today is the fact that it has transcended all of these cultures all of these different levels of intellect all cognitive abilities it was withst- it's withstood man when he didn't understand things correctly it's withstood men when he did understand things correctly It's withstood both the arrogance and the ignorance of man. And that's true today, too. I mean, listen to man talk as though we're standing at the top of the universe looking down and understanding everything. I mean, it's really quite silly when when you think that, you know, we're making observations about what exists outside the universe. And, you know, when we can prove that Santa Claus can make his routes mathematically, you know, and we're using... You know the same type of uh, logic to figure out what's outside the universe it just seems disingenuous to me and the more that I dig the more that I realize that it's really man's arrogance that extends beyond his limits and imagination and it's not the reality or the, the physical uh, truth of things there is also a, a danger in this as well because if God has written this in a way that translates culture and time and all the factors that we have discussed, by taking a version or an extension of what the book of Genesis says and then start becoming dogmatic about an interpretation and extending that into it, what we've done is we're actually creating a stumbling block in where God is trying to work this, this amazing book to where it translates to everyone across a huge period of time and remains relevant and remains true. And what we're trying to do is say, no, no, this has to be it. This has to be the way. And we start to read into it. So we got to be careful. Like, for example, if we were to take the uh, the literalist, and they say it's a 24-hour day, and then you know you take Jesus's words: "Is there not 12 hours in a day?" You go back to Genesis, and the evening and the morning was the first day. The evening and the morning, not evening to evening or morning to morning, and then what you would hear in that debate is well but you know the hebrew people that's when their day started and that's when their day ended and so they're kind of using a i think a flawed logic because what they're essentially doing is they're saying well the scriptures knew to say day meaning a human day and god wouldn't say a human day unless he, he meant the word day and then he puts a number with it to make sure we understand that it's a real day but he didn't give them the understanding to to get this evening to evening morning to morning to really bring it home that these were literal 24 hour days and so there's some there's some problems there and those problems need to be looked at honestly and we don't need to cherry pick our favorite historical quotes or historical figures that just uh, make us feel really good about our particular perspective of the book of Genesis. I think it's amazing when you could have someone like a a Ken Ham who reads it on one level and he sees it and then you look at a guy like Hugh Ross and he sees it from um, a certain scientific point of view. And now I'm, I'm looking at it from my perspective and I'm going, it's a miracle that this book translates. I'm not making a judgment as to which one it is. You know, I want to start where the scriptures start and stop where the scriptures stop. And what we're going to find out is when we dig into Genesis 1-1, that uh, from the moment you hit Genesis 1-1, you're going to hit a lot of questions. And those questions leave a lot of room. And, uh, you know, if you've not read Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser, or not listened to some of Michael Heiser's stuff, You probably want to start diving into some of that as well that'd be really good supplemental material to kind of listen to to kind of get perceptions and then also bring to the table your favorite views too i mean there's nothing wrong with having your understanding but i would argue that you don't want to be dogmatic with your particular understanding of genesis if the scriptures are not locked in on those interpretations and very consistent Again, one, because you're, you're probably tripping over God's divine plan to translate time and all these va- factors we talked about. But then the, uh, the other thing that you're doing when you're doing those things is you're becoming a stumbling block, potentially, for people who are locked into a certain period in time, just as you and I are, and locked into a certain worldview that may or may not be correct like you know materialism and uh, evolution you know unguided no mechanism you know all these problems with evolution and then you're trying to force a 24-hour day you know then we've got to ask really what are we trying to do here are we really trying to honor God with what we're doing with Genesis or are we trying to force our belief our understanding our perspective Of the book of Genesis on other people so my argument would be that God the orchestrator well understood everything and he understood that different people would believe different things at different points and the bigger perspective is to reach them with the gospel and to translate very important core messages to those groups of people And understanding that from God's perspective, no matter how far we go, no matter what we achieve, we're going to be so far beyond his understanding that even our most advanced understanding would be peanuts to what he gets. And so his perspective and our perspective would be significantly different under the Christian paradigm. So there you go. Hope that makes sense today. And uh, that's the miracle, guys. And I think it's a huge miracle. I can't think of another uh, book that does that so effectively as the Bible, uh, especially given the language that was chosen, the words that were chosen, and uh, the way that it's structured. And we will get further and further into that. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit mindlob.com to learn more.